Welcome to Go Simcha, the podcast that takes you on an in-depth approach to the Jewish music, entertainment, and Simcha world. Now, here's your host, Zisha Littman. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Go Simple the Podcast. We had so much fun recording the episode, um, but it couldn't have been done without the help of our sponsor, Karen Simchas and Vikalis. We're going to take a minute to hear a little bit more about them. The following episode of Go Simple the Podcast is proudly sponsored by Karen Simchas Chassan Vikalo. Karen Simchas Chassan Vikalo was founded over 25 years ago and is based in Brooklyn, New York. KSCVK helps widows, orphans, and people who are in dire need of marrying off a child. Working through their network of vendors, KSCVK ensures that every wedding is just as special as the next. Run by world-renowned party planner Devora Benjamin, KSCVK takes care that each wedding is as elegant as the next one, ensuring dignity and class through every wedding that they put on. To donate to KSCVK, please visit their website, kscvk.org, today. That's kscvk.org, and help make someone's wedding special. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another awesome episode of Ghosting from the Podcast. This week, we are sitting down with a very cool guy. Um, I just started listening to some of his music, but you do know his, his name last name at least, um, is very well known in the Jewish music world. His father of, of blessed memory was a big pioneer in the Jewish music industry back many, many years ago. And we're going to talk about not only his music, but our guest's music as well. I'd love to welcome Tali S. onto the show. Tali, it's a big honor and a pleasure to have you sitting down with us today. Um, I'm looking forward to talking about your music because I've, I've been listening to it. I've become a follower of your music. And I'm also a big fan of your father's works. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. For sure. So what's going on, Tali? What's what's your story? What's my story? With with regards to music or just in general? Um, With regards to music in general, what's your story? I I grew up starting to play music from a very young age. I mean, I was tinkering out songs on the piano from like the age of six. And eventually I picked up a guitar uh, a couple times and gave up and then I finally got a decent one in my early 20s and it just hurt the Jew and me to, to, to give that one up so easily so I figured it out in about six months um, and, and then uh, it was pretty easy once you already knew what instrument I mean to, to kind of pick up the second one is a lot easier it's, you can just you know play the same songs just on a different instrument once right. But in terms of, uh, that's how, how I've been developing. I wound up studying it a little bit in university for about three years. And I, uh, I never really took it. I always thought I'd be more producing than performing. And um, it wasn't like long after my father passed away where I decided, you know, maybe it's time you kind of you know, start writing and doing things on your own. Because, I mean, my family, the, quite a few people in my family play instruments, but no one ever decided to really do much of anything with it in terms of, like professionally speaking like uh, we all work full-time jobs and that's uh, I guess if you're a Jewish musician uh, it helps to do that on the side <laughs> you know? um, but um, I like to to play a lot of my dad's stuff because growing up first of all we, we heard a lot of it in the house obviously but um, both my parents uh, you know were were basically had a, their first language was English so for us, we identified a lot with English, you know, language, Jewish music, such as my dad's music, the Journey's albums from A.B. Rottenberg and uh, Destiny albums from Ellie Nathan and these guys. 
Um, so uh, th that tends to be the, my type of crowd that I usually play for, you know, the same, very similar crowd that he had, as well as, uh, you know, you know, my own stuff is for a different type of generation than what they grew up on. So I remember when I was uh, at one point, um, a couple of years before my dad passed away, he, I asked him, uh, hey, can you, you know, give me all the chords for the Magama songs from back in the day? And he, he laughed. He's like, you're asking me about songs that I played like 20 years ago. Frankly, I don't remember half the words for them or the chords, but I think that he said that, you know, your generation is going to is going to have its own needs and its own type of issues. It's going to have people are going to want to sing about and you know, to, between you and me, he said, I'm, I'm happy you play my music and all that stuff, but I think you should also work on your own because it's a lot easier to be a first-rate first version of yourself than, you know, a second-rate version of somebody else. So <laughs> it made sense. But at the same time, I don't want people to forget his music, so I'm trying to breathe a little bit of new life into his songs. Like, I, I recently covered My Zadie, which is his number one hit, and uh, I, I played it a little differently than, than most people hear it. They usually don't hear it on a piano. I figured, why not try that out, you know? Oh, wow, that must sound really interesting. Yeah, it was pretty fun. <laughs> That's really funny. That's really, really funny. Yeah, he, in, it seemed, a lot of his music, like, has become very cross-generational. A lot of people have, throughout the, gener throughout the generations, have, have been listening to his music in one form or another, whether you realize it or not. Yeah. Um, with, whether it's with, like, some of the A.V. Rotberg stuff or, 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 like, you know, I know in some of the ventures, and some of the Chabad benches, they have all these English songs in the back, and oh, a yeah. lot of those are his songs. Yeah. And we used to. Yeah, sing the older their... the bench, the more songs there are. Actually, nowadays there's a lot more English music than there used to be. But in the olden days, I remember there was like nine of them, I think, in there at one point, or seven or eight or nine of them. Now you'll yeah. find probably two or three of them, but still, I mean, it's it's nice to be able to open up and say, "Hey, my dad wrote that." <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> Did yeah. did you you mentioned that how a lot of your a lot of people in your family were musicians and played instruments, but no one really did, did much of the profession. But it seemed well, like they played it like growing up uh, until like until very recently, like they, they they few of them really focused on it. Nowadays, for some reason, like there's this renaissance going on in my family where like everybody like the next gen like our kids now are started picking up instruments. So now the parents are getting more back into it than they were before. But growing up, they were in choirs, and they, one of my sisters played piano, and my brother picked up guitar for a bit and then put it down, and I picked it up again recently. My other brother picked up guitar, so that's what I meant. But it weren't like gigging or anything like right. that. Yeah. Did, did the fact that your father was a, I, I guess you would say, a famous musician have, have any hashba on you guys to, be, to play music, or it just kind of like happened naturally? It just kind of happened. Like you guys like, oh, this sounds cool. Let's do it. Um. It's hard to say because uh, my, my dad was on the road most of the time, so it, it was it was definitely something to look up to. And obviously, I mean, it was very big shoes to fill. My dad was a virtuoso in a lot of different styles of music, and for me to 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 grow up and think that I could ever do that kind of stuff, which I I, I still think I was going to take a lot of practice to get to that level. But I, I would, uh, you know, I, I never thought I'd I'd be doing it. To be honest, I thought I'd always be more like a behind the scenes producer type of thing, making arrangements, that kind of thing, which I always did. I mean, I was doing that from a very young age. But the, but uh, I, it did have an influence. It obviously had an influence because I'm doing it. I mean, <laughs> he had a lot of instruments in the house. I'd sit and watch him work. You know, it, it, it's kind of hard to like have a father figure that's doing that all day and have none of it rubs off onto you. You know. So no, the rest, sure, huh? I'm speaking for myself. I don't know about the rest of us, how they feel about it. 
<laughs> yeah. Sounds like it was fun. It sounds like it was a lot of fun growing up around that. And yeah. and and now like everyone you know, everyone's singing the Nagunam. Now your style of music, you, you mentioned how your father said to you, why why not be why be a why be a second rate version of of somebody else? Be a first rate version of yourself. Like what yeah. what's your style of music? Like what's your you said so, you mentioned like more piano. So well, my first instrument is piano, but I, I I play a few things. But the my my second instrument would be guitar, and for certain reasons, I picked up guitar simply because it's it's a big schlep to bring a piano to a campfire and that kind of thing. Um, so it kind of <laughs> makes sense. But my style, I wouldn't say like I stick to any one specific genre. I'm more of a singer-songwriter, but at the same time, uh, I write in in music and different types of things uh, not all the time is it, is it lyrical sometimes i'll write like instrumental electronic music just because you know i used to be really into that stuff and i, I and my 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 composition is usually in 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 several different genres like i'll do you know rock to country to folk music to electronic to fusions of different types of things to, i wrote a reggae song this year for the first time that's gonna be fun it's about to come out on an, uh, an album in the next uh, month or so and I, uh, I, for the first album, for the first full featured album that I'm doing, I, I put one out about a year ago. But for the first full feature album, which I'm dedicating to my my late mother's memory, um, yeah. supposed to come out on her yard site, so or in or around. So that one's gonna be similar to my my dad's album called Art Imitates Life, where like every song was like a different type of style. Like I, I, I'm not sticking to any one specific one because to, I, I'm still trying to figure out what my sound is. I'm pretty new to this, you know, in terms of, you know, figuring it all out. But I, I like all different types of music. So it's hard for me to say I only want to sing this. Like my playlist is ridiculously annoying to most people. Like it'll go from classical music to jazz to blues to rock. <laughs> That's really funny. <clears throat> yeah. The way you mentioned it, the like you're you're it's it's all different styles, different types of music. I noticed that a lot as well with your father's music. That like mo he would he could play blues, he could play rock, he could play all sorts of types right. of music. Like in the videos you find on YouTube, and like the albums you hear, like it's all sorts of it's a whole like chillin', so to speak. It's a chillin', yeah. Pretty good chillin', so to speak. Oh, thank you. Um, hey, listen, you know. Yeah, well, that's well, that's what I'm going for because I, I figure you know certain certain messages you can give off in different types of styles. You know, like the idea behind every song I try to write is to to convey some sort of message that people can either learn from or relate to in a way. And and in certain styles, you'll you'll be able to convey that message easier. You know, if it's an angry song about something that's wrong in the world or something that you feel is wrong with how things are, you know, like it helps to have something a little more heavy metal and to and then to do it in a nice, you know, like new age meditation style music thing. You know, it doesn't really work in, in right. other genres. So it should match, uh, I think, in my opinion, you know, like the message in a way, you know, emotionally speaking, you know, to get that right sure. emotional response. No, I know what, I know what you mean. I am, I'm a musician myself. I, oh, nice. I play, yeah, I play drums, guitar, keyboard, saxophone. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I taught myself how to play guitar one night about 10 years ago when I was in Yeshiva. And cool. it's one of my favorite instruments and I've been playing and I also know how to write and compose. I haven't done it in a while because I don't, don't find it as exciting as you do. Um, <laughs> I, I like, I, you know, I like to sit down and just play and like jam, but I know what you mean. I, I totally, I totally get you on that one. And the, the being that music has different, different styles of music can connotate different types of feelings, different types of energies, different types of everything. And you can, yeah. and you have to be, and 
what sounds good with some one thing is not going to sound good like with something else. So regarding your, you mentioned how you, you, you always thought yourself more as a behind the scenes guy. How, how'd that come about? Like, how'd you, how'd that pique your interest? Well, I was, um, I was really young when I started uh, sequencing music. I mean, when, when I was a kid, I used to sit and watch my dad or do arrangements and things like that and watch him record. Um, I was, I was probably the, the, the most, um, uh, how would I say this? Emotionally invested musician in my family uh, in terms of the kids. I spent hours practicing. It was like I was very introverted back in the day. I'd sit in my room and play for sometimes hours on end. Uh, I was I was playing bar mitzvahs from a really young age, back, you know, and, and, and gigging from a very young age. So I, I had an interest in learning it a little more and taking it to, to like a next level. And my dad used to sequence his music on this old program called Bars and Pipes, which is like a MIDI sequencer that was, was, was around before Windows was even an operating system. It was like on the Commodore Amiga computer. So that's where I first got my feet wet in, in like terms of arrangement. And for me, like sitting down at a computer, like this, this is a new technology back then, the idea of sequencing a computer. You know, nobody, you know, before that you had to have an eight track uh, or, or something and you'd be able to like do one track at a time. Whereas now you can actually make the musical arrangement by hand. And I remember like uh, sometimes getting so frustrated because, you know, we had a 40 megabyte hard drive back then, which was a big, big deal. <laughs> and like you're, you're saving things onto floppy disks and writing in note by note. And if the electricity went off for one reason while you're saving, you lost 26 hours of work. And, you know, that was just how things were back then. Like they, it took like five minutes to save a file. So I, I, I started back then like doing it and I got like eventually into uh, other programs such as Cubase and Fruity Loops and FL Studio is what it's called now. And I've been working on, on different, on, you heard of what? I remember Fruity Loops. Right. So it used to be more for electronic music, but it became a full on studio software now. And that, that's what I've been doing just because it's the quickest way for me to get what's in my head, you know, to come out of my speakers. And uh, I've been focusing on, on just making different types of, of arrangements from probably the age of 12. I mean, I was doing all sorts of weird, weird things with music, sometimes classical, sometimes uh, electronic, sometimes, uh, you know, recording, you know, acoustic uh, music. And that's how I got into it. And I, I eventually wound up working with a few people and, uh, and, and making arrangements for, for different artists. And I just, Said, hey, you know, you're doing this for everybody else. Why don't you do it for yourself? That's what. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Did Did you ever go out on on the road with your dad ever and experience that? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't uh, like he took us to Carnegie Hall or things like that. But we did go to. Uh, uh, I remember my brother, my older brother, and I were his roadies for one uh, one. Um, how do you call it? For about a summer or two. And he used to go do the whole summer camp circuit and, and you know, go up to Catskills to all the different Jewish country camps. And uh, we, you know, he showed us how to set up the equipment and all that. We were young, but uh, it was fun. Um, you get to see what it's like to be a traveling musician. And it, it is a lot of schlepping, to be honest. People think that it's all the, it's all glorious, but a lot of it has to do with carrying very heavy equipment and setting it up quickly and sound checking, you know, like uh, 20 minutes before showtime, getting everything ready. Uh, it was fun. I got to watch and see him perform, and and it, it, he was a, he was so different. Like when when a, sometimes you see somebody in their element, and like they just come alive, like you don't recognize them. And seeing him perform a lot was 
like you see him on it when I got to see him on a stage I saw him like really shine you know and it was fun to watch it gave me a lot of a um, little bit of an education on on in terms of performance and you know like uh, how to properly execute songs in a live setting and things like that that's really cool so now we're going to take a quick moment to hear a word from our sponsors We've come to the time of year again It's the 2019 Ura auction With prizes much bigger than before Just do wait, see what we have in store 12 tickets to Israel and big fat check And the shade stone jewels to put on your neck Pay your rent, get a car, let us clear your debt Go relax and win some weekly cash We'll cover your tuition bill And maybe give you a new van We'll send you on a trip nearby or to the Holy Land Shop online or in New York You'll get a great big shopping spree Your $50,000 you can take home instantly It's easy to enter Just call us or go just make sure you do it before you run out of time. More than $600,000 in prizes, only $5 a prize. Enter now at uraauction.org or call 1-877-7-AUCTION. And we're back from our commercial break. And he, he, he used to joke with how like his, uh, his, his biggest career with that band was a bowling alley. And eventually the guy never understood that psychedelic rock was a type of music and they, they pulled the plug on him and said, get out. But eventually he wound up doing well and he shared stages with some really big guys in the business like uh, Crosby, Stills and Nash. And uh, uh, he was actually asked to be the guitarist for what later on that year would become a band called Jefferson Airplane. And both of these bands were, I believe they played the Woodstock uh, concert back in the day. So I mean, they were all pretty big. But he was, it was around the time where he was doing tshuva and he decided to move to Israel. And when he moved to Israel, uh, I heard this story from him about how he, he, he was in a Balchuba yeshiva, I believe it was Dvar Yishalayim. And uh, for a few years, he just wouldn't play. And he was getting him really depressed. And, and the rabbi there picked up on, on his vibes and was like, what's going on, Moshe? You seem like you're really, uh, you know, like one foot in the grave and another one on a banana peel. Like, what's going on? And he was like, well, I got all this music in me, and it's like, I'm used to be able to write and play, and I just can't do it because it's not kosher. And I don't know. I'm not, I don't know if I'm quoting the conversation word for word, but it was something like along the lines of, "What do you mean it's kosher? You're not eating the music. It's something you're listening to." Goes, yeah, but it's. it's, it's he goes, he's like, "Well, explain to me. What do you mean by it's not kosher?" He's like, "Well, it's all I know is rock and blues and country. I mean, that's that's not kosher. You're the rabbi. I don't have to tell you this." <laughs> and he explained him how, like, uh, the rabbi said something to the effect of, you know, like the, the nagunim that a lot of the Hasidic people listen to, like the Yimuchabad uh, nagunim, for example, a lot of them were inspired by the, the music of their time. Like, if you listen to some of the songs or even old Russian folk tunes and the, the genres of Eastern Europe and those things had a strong influence on the music and, and Jewish music from that era started sounding like Eastern European music. Well, that's what I find funny about, like, all these, like, different chassidish and agunim and things like that. They're all marches and waltzes and different yeah. things to that extent. And people don't even, people, people like you and me get it. But people, the, the, these guys that are singing them week in and week out don't have a clue that yeah. this was inspired by the, the, the music of the time. Of the time. And everywhere the Jews went in history, like, they had their own music styles. It was inspired, like, you know, Spanish Jewry had Ladino music, and they still make it some, sometimes here and there. Um, and, and, and when Jews came to America, guess what? We have American-style Jewish music, finally. And my dad had a lot to do with that, but 
at the end of the day, it was a, it was, it was a, a catalyst in, in the industry where Jewish music didn't have to sound all like, you know, A minor, D minor, E kind of songs. You can actually throw in some cool major sevenths and spice things up and make it sound jazzy, make it sound bluesy, make it sound like a rock song. And, and he kind of spearheaded that. And the but funny thing is, is Rosh Hashiva is like, as long as the content's kosher, your music is Jewish. So if you're singing Oh Baby, Oh Baby, yeah, it's probably not the best kosher song. But if you're singing about Shabbos or you're singing about this, then it's Jewish music. It doesn't matter what style you're doing it in. And I can only imagine, and as my dad's head, he was probably like, what, you waited two years to tell me this? <laughs> Long story short, they, they came out, him and his study partner and their mentor in the yeshiva, Shalom Levine, they, they came together and they put together a band called uh, the Magama Duo which had a, an amazing selling record and, and they were just touring all over the place. And a lot of the songs like My Zadie and Jack Schwartz and a lot of the hits came around from, from those original two albums. And they made, eventually when they, they split up and their lives got too busy to be able to tour together, they wound up having like, uh, he had his, my dad had a solo career and he made many albums afterwards. Chad, a lot of them had really great songs too, but most of the hits that people remember from Magama for some reason, like My Zadie was the most iconic song I, I think that he wrote that people always oh really that's his song beggar woman's another one that everybody covered not everybody knows yep. it's my dad's i had a yep. student that was teaching giving a guitar lesson to yesterday and he was saying how uh beggar woman's your father's song I thought it's the uh, eighth day or i thought it's uh, i'm like yeah everybody covered it it's a good song <laughs> i'm gonna tell you <laughs> yeah that's really funny yeah Yes, but I feel like when you say that people, everyone kind of relates to my Zadie, I feel like because everybody has that in their life, has that situation in their life, or or people at least who are growing up in that generation have that situation, have that, have that in their lives. They, you know, that they grew up like that and had probably all become Kozer B'Tshuva from from a situation like that. I feel like that's why it resonates so much with a lot of people, because the message is very, is it's it's a sad one, but it's also it also it's gives a very you very relatable one, right? Right, exactly. If you if you if if anybody knows anything about growing up back back in the day in in America, that's what it was. Yeah, that's how that's how Jewish, Judaism and Yiddishkeit was. Ironically, I never got to meet my lady, my brother either. My brother was named after him because he I think he passed away like right before he was born. So that's the funny thing is, you know, that when, I, when I'm singing it, I, I have a hard time relating to it. I really have to kind of like embody the character of somebody who does relate, <laughs> relate to it. Um, but I've had people in my life that I, that, that, that who had Zadies, who I've met them, and I've, I've seen that type of relationship. And it is really the, like, in, in a sense, the Bubby, the Zadie, I mean, these type of family figures are usually the glue that holds the, the Jewish family together. And, uh, and, you know, they're the ones that pass things down and, and give you that, 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 that bar that you have to live up to, you know? And um, sure. that's, that's why I think why I made it so relatable. And it also pushed the, the message that, you know, it, if we're not going to, you know, they say having a really holy Zadie is a great thing, but at the end of the day, you got to be the Zadie one day. So get busy. Because <laughs> <You know? laughs> who's going to be a Zadie of our children, if not we? There you, you know, go. We have, that's really what the, the song's about. And that line, like, it really hits home with a lot of people. Because a lot of people, they, they, when, when they actually listen to the lyrics and, and they, they just let it sink in, it's like, oh, my God, he's right. <laughs> you know? That, that's crazy. Yeah. That's so true. Wow. That, wow. 
That, that, <laughs> something that's to think deep. about, something for bring over. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So did you grow up in Israel? Like you were born in Israel or you were? Uh, I, was, I was born in Israel, but I, I, I think we, I moved out of there um, when we were, I was, a, I was a young kid. Like I think I was like three and a half years old, pushing four. But I was a Yerushalmi. I mean, I grew up in Meisharim, so I used to have a big pom pom yarmulke with long payas, and and I I spoke Hebrew back then. And my mother was laughing how like you know the uh, we moved to Toronto for about a year and a half before we eventually settled in Montreal. Um, and she said how you know the uh, said if we just moved straight to Montreal, you guys would still be fluent in Hebrew because there's people that live in Montreal for 30, 40 years that still sound like they just fresh off the boat from Israel and don't speak a word of English. And, and, and there's a lot of them, as you said. So, so, but in Toronto, when we, when, when we lived there, there weren't too many Israelis. So there wasn't really, you don't practice the language, you lose it. Like within a year and a half, we were completely Anglophone. That's okay. You speak That's Canadian. Yeah. Eh? <laughs> hey. Yeah. But That's eventually I wound up moving to New York about four years ago. I, uh, I moved down here because I found some great schools for the kids. And uh, it's a different lifestyle over here. It's a very different type of people than Montreal. Uh, different country, different everything. So, so it takes a little getting used to. It's got to drop the Canadian accent one day, then I can blend in. Yeah, <laughs> you have to be more, 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 more inconspicuous about your yeah, accent. There's the people that pick up on it. Oh, they do, they do, and they they pick on it also. It's <laughs> really funny. Your kids also have Canadian accents. Uh, no, they kind of uh, dropped it already. I think they, there was a, a transition year where they were like trying out new ways of saying things, and I, was, I found it really funny because it's just like I'm like, listen, that's not how you talk. You're not fooling me. But hey, eventually, I guess they just blend in, you know. But they have kind of like a, they kind of have like an in between, I guess, accent. It's hard to really tell what it is. It's like a chillant. Like a chillant. There you go. Well, yeah. well, you're in New York, land of chillant. That's really funny. Wow. So, and it, it's just so interesting how, like, I said before, like your your father's career and his music and his style seem to really kind of parallel what you're doing. Because, like, and I mentioned this before we 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 started we started the show that you that you guys have a very strikingly similar voice. Like, I've listened to some of your music and like when you're doing the covers of his music, like it sounds like it sounds like 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 the real thing. And I find that very fascinating. Does anybody else ever tell you that? Yeah, and I, I take it as a huge compliment because a lot of people like the way he sang and his voice. And so for me, when I hear people say that, I, I, I'm humbled and I, I, I hope I, I can sound like him. Um, he had a, a very dis, very distinct timbre in his voice. Like he wasn't like the type of like every every other musician that you hear. A very rich, deep kind of bassy kind of voice. Um, yeah, I hear it. I hear it a lot. That's really I'm, cool. I'm humbled by it. So do you ever have any plans of, of creating an album with all those songs and with some of your new song with your style in it? Like yeah, yeah, eventually. I mean, I want to get my, my, my mother just passed away this past year and uh, I'm still within the first year. So I, I, my, her, her dying wish to me was to never stop making music. So I, she's like, even at my funeral, I want you to keep making music and all that. So I was like, all right, you got it. So I wanted to do a, a dedication to her at first and then work on my father. Because we already made a tribute album for my father several years back. Um, it was like a two CD album with the, an all-star cast, a lot of great songs. 
some they got mixed reviews because some people were like expecting it to sound exactly like my father, but it, it wasn't an imitation contest. It was a tribute where people did their own covers. <laughs> it's kind of hard even for me to imitate it, and I got his genes. So, I, so the but, but what I'm getting at is that when they uh, when for, so for this particular album, I'm doing something for my mom uh, for a few reasons, namely because she I you know my my dad was on the road, my mother was the one that really you know held the fort down and everything. So for, for me, it's, um, it's an important thing to do. And afterwards, I, I do want to put out an album of covers of some of my favorite songs on my dad. Like this week, I dropped a, uh, a song called Wild and Angry Boy, which was one of my father's. It was on an, yeah, album, it was on an album called Pintaliid, which had a lot of good songs on it. But this song was uh, an important one to me because I, I, I felt like it, it documented to a certain extent the story of my life like, and how I felt. Like my audience, as much as my father had like the, the Balchuva scene and people that were just getting familiar with Judaism, which which I can also identify with in a way because I had my own little my my own little journey to get to where I am. Um, my my music I'm trying to gear to not just the same audience that that is, but as well as Jewish people that grew up from but got to see both sides of the tracks and and are, are trying to pick and choose and find their way back or find their way to figure out what life is about. So it's kind of a a a, a blend of of that type of demographic as well as people that know a little bit more about Judaism, but at the same time want to, you know, want to identify with, with what they're going through and their own challenges about it. So kind of a mixed crowd, but it could work. <laughs> nice. That's really cool. Yeah. I wish I had luck with that. That, that actually sounds really, really interesting. Um, I would love to listen to, to it when it comes out. Yeah. Now, what, what other albums have you produced yourself? Not them. Um, I was going to ask you back to the tribute album. Did you mix and master that that whole CD? Did you do all no, the no, that one? No, that one I did not. No, I did not mix and master. We had a bunch of different producers around the world work on that one. Um, I worked uh, a lot on the marketing side of things, and you know, in terms of the graphics and and website and that kind of thing. I have, I'm a marketing guy full time. That's what I do. So yeah. for me. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I figured like I, I didn't have such a sophisticated studio in my place so i i didn't want to get too involved in that because i knew that you get a better product doing dealing with with ones that have you know that are a little more up to date um right. so we wound up working with a few people in the business there was uh gershon Varova was very very involved with it he's kind of spearheaded a lot of the different songs um we had um Neil ziggler uh, I believe was producing one. I think Sam Glazer may have produced one in his studio. Um, nice. Menachem Weinstein had a studio in London where he he did a song. A lot of these guys are are, are pretty well known in in, in the industry. But uh, that album had uh, so many different amazing talented people on it. It was like uh, and and what I what I learned from after producing that album was a few things. Number one, a little bit about the music the music industry and the Jewish music industry. And number two is uh, is how many artists my father had an influence on. Like it wasn't just people who heard his music and decided to kosherize their kitchen and become from, or, or stories like that, which I've heard. But um, but but how many people said, "Wow, you know, like I, I uh, an example." Like um, I was watching an interview with um, of Yossi Zweig on this. He had the Z Report with Nachum Siegel Network uh, a while back. And he was interviewing A.B. Rottenberg when he came out with the new Marvelous Mitos Machine album. And while he was interviewing A.B., he asked him, he said, oh, I, I noticed that there was a dedication in the inner flap to Moshe. Yes, uh, 
the truth that you guys worked on this together originally on the he goes yeah you know the first minus machine we we collaborated and we, we it was like a like a, we we put it together um as a team that uh but to be honest is like so, something you know like my 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 relationship with Moshe started a lot earlier he said something to the effect how we used to play these NCSY concerts and and a lot of the people in the audience didn't speak Hebrew and they they they, they didn't grow up religious so they didn't know a lot of the songs from the Devekas albums and these things but there was always some from people you know peppered into the audience that knew them and as a result you know they would sing along with the singer and eventually the rest of the audience felt comfortable and they'd pick it up and he said something to the effect that one one show there was nobody like that in the audience and it was like a really uncomfortable 45 minutes an hour or whatever how long the show was and he walked away thinking or saying to his friend like i wish somebody would write english jewish music in a style that these people can really appreciate and in the language that they understand and he said oh my god you have to hear this album that just came out from these guys in israel called magama and when he when he opened up the record and he listened to it he was like oh my god these guys are doing it and he said something like, I, I don't think I would have written an English song if it wasn't for listening to a Magama album, because I just didn't think it was possible. And, and the kind of, you know, the whole Journeys albums, he wrote some of the most iconic English songs there are in Jewish music. He's, I'm a huge fan. He's a big, uh, uh, he's like a giant in the industry and in terms of talent and, and know-how. And so like uh, artists like this that, that, that heard such a different style of music had a, had a big impact on them. And that's really what really fascinated me more than because a lot of people are inspired by song, but you know, can you inspire songwriters at the end of the day? You know, that's 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 uh, kind of more I think I don't know, relevant to me in that sense, I guess. <laughs> that's really cool. Yeah. yeah, that's really cool. So back to you for a second. Yeah. So what else is in the works for you other than this album and the other things you mentioned? You're you're working on anything anything in particular? like for your own self, minus oh. your, for your mother, or it's just you're still working and that's your focus for now? Well, the, yeah, I, I could only work on one album at a time. Like I, I can try to get other things going. I, I started working on a few covers of, of, of my father's stuff uh, for a later project that I'm going to work on. Um, I have one song that was previously unreleased of his, actually, that I'm, I'm collaborating with a few um, pretty well-known people in the industry gonna be a we are the world type of song where like each guy has their own their own nice. um, their own uh lyrics to sing and the song is called world of good and i tried i tried doing it a few times it was actually supposed to be on a tribute album but it was pulled right before this um duplication and i was kind of upset about it but i figured hey hashem wants it to work out differently it'll work out differently but um so that's that's a, a bigger project that i'm going to try to work on because it's going to take a lot of you know file transfers from different areas of the world to get it done. And, right. and, and, and I'm hoping to have it ready for the 10th yard site, which is about a year, well, hopefully a year or two from now, but hopefully earlier. I mean, I thought, I, I miscalculated this year and I thought we're holding it the ninth, but apparently went the eighth. So I'm like, it's like those people like by Harsina, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, oops, sorry, we missed a day. So it was like, uh, yeah, I guess that happens. But the, um, so that's another big project that I'm working on, and hopefully it'll uh, it'll 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 inspire a lot of people because everybody so far that's actually heard the song was blown away by it. It was, uh, but in terms of my own personal stuff, I'm I'm writing a lot of original things for this um, this album that's coming out called Book of Ruth, which was my my mother's Hebrew name was Ruth, so I I'm kind of like trying to write songs that were inspired by things that she taught me or things that she 
she taught me by example. Um, and some just for the most part, those things, I mean, there's other songs in there that have nothing to do with, with her, but it's just the idea was uh, there's a dedication for her memory. Uh, she was a very loved school teacher in Montreal and kind of a, a rock star in and of itself. She had like a, a lot of people fighting to get, uh, get their kids into her class. She was the, probably the most dedicated teacher I've ever met. And a lot of my dad's best work happened when, when, when you know, uh, as a result of him being married to my mother, I feel. I think she was a big inspiration in his life as well. So uh, kind of they say behind every successful man is a even more successful, or how does it go before? Behind every great man is an even greater woman, you know, something to that effect. That, that's really interesting. And for sure, I mean, why, why wouldn't, your mother, I, I, I definitely think that that was probably a big um, influence to to his successes. That's really that's really amazing. I wish you had luck in that project. Um, but Tali, it was a pleasure to have you on the show, both to hear about your stuff and what's going on in your career, along with the history of your father's career and how much of an influence he had on the Jewish world and the Jewish music world. And it's just always good to hear these types of things, these stories, and really understand more of how things have really have evolved and come to be because of what your fa- the the groundwork your father laid so many years ago. So Tali, it was an honor and a pleasure to have you on the show. I wish you tremendous hatslacha and keep in touch, man. Let me know what's going on with your with your projects. I'm looking forward to hearing all your all the stuff that's coming out. And we will we will we'll continue to speak. Thank you so much for coming right. on the show. You, you, Thank you, you very much. I appreciate you having me on. Have a great day. Sure. You've just listened to another wonderful episode of Go Simple the Podcast. For more news, updates, and information on our next episode, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram at Go Simple Live, and don't forget to check out the show notes and videos on www.gosimcha.com along with zeradio.com. Thanks for listening, and remember, Go Simcha!